0: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis. With your host, Dave Inman.
1: Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Justin Beck with Cultivation Technologies. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. So, uh, for our listeners, what exactly is Cultivation Technologies?
2: Yes, Cultivation Technologies is a provider of permitted real estate, equipment, and branding to the legal cannabis industry, primarily in California.
1: When you say primarily, what other markets are you in or looking at getting into?
2: Well, we're focused right now on California simply because of the size of the market and then finally having regulations in place. But we're looking at really any cannabis market or in any legal jurisdiction where there's regulations.
1: So now do you own the the property and then lease it out to cultivation facilities or uh, licensees, things like that?
2: Yes. The first project that we have is a six-acre project in Coachella, California. And we operate with tenants who also provide a portion of their revenues through a brand license and a facility fee. So we provide turnkey environments, which also have various support services for the tenants where we are marketing for them, we're providing a lot of different services to stimulate demand, and it's a synergistic relationship beyond just a, a normal tenancy.
1: So you're, you're creating an environment, so uh, it's more of like a step right in and, and get to grow in kind of fr- uh, facility then, correct?
2: Exactly. And the way that the state system in California is structured is, is that we can't own a lot of licenses, you know, there, there's restrictions on that. So we found that our ability to scale is based upon providing turnkey facilities and also providing a brand of cannabis, which we've created called Coachella.
1: Much like the music festival, huh? <laughs>
2: there, is, there is a music festival with that name. It's actually uh, in Indio. Most people don't realize that Coachella is actually a city in the Coachella Valley, but the festival is actually in Indio. And the city of Ficella really recognizes no economic benefit from that concert, whereas our property is likely to yield the city as much as $5 million in annual revenue through fees, which on a $20 million annual budget is substantial. Our tenants and us will, together will be the largest taxpayer in the city.
1: So, how do you generally go about it? I mean, obviously, people have lots of different modalities for growing, so you know you might have indoor, you might have outdoor, you might have light depth, you might have photo period elongation. Does it span the whole gamut of what their flavor is, or are you going off of what you know are tried and true methods?
2: Sure. We are going on what we know are tried and true methods that maximize the use of energy in our discussions with the different stakeholders and in, in the regulatory environment in California we find that the operators that make the most use of resources and operate efficiently are going to appeal to regulators. So our systems are based on a vertical stack of uh, five tiers in Coachella. They are based on our, our proprietary Dragon grow LED technology, which achieves about one gram per watt. It's a little bit less than you'd get from a traditional HPS setup, but the fact that we can get... Our racking system, we can fit five racks under a 30 to 32 foot clearance. So we maximize cubic production space instead of just linear production space.
1: Gotcha. So vertical racking obviously is, is the wave of the future for any indoor facility. But you guys are doing this in, in greenhouses too, correct?
2: We're not, not on our first project. This is a. Uh, so that's six
1: a- acre indoor?
2: It is 111,500 square feet. Yes, it's a $30 million facility in Coachella.
1: That is a monster. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's funny that you mention LED. You know, I'm actually an energy efficient lighting designer by trade. So I have been uh, part of the LED revolution uh, since its inception in the uh, commercial industrial space. Great. You know, I've been dealing with clients, you know, across the country for, you know, traditional commercial industrial. And then when I would even mention LED for uh, cannabis cultivation, you'd get the stink eye. (laughs) <laughs> do you do you
2: get a little pushback with that as well? We absolutely do. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned that you have experience in this because the reality is is that HPS, while it is it certainly works, it's stagnant technology and LED replaces every lighting solution for every industry. It's just a product of what people are comfortable with, and typically you'll have a a standard HPS grower who's been doing that for a long time, thinks that that's the only way to do it, and may have tried LEDs from five years ago on on a poor spectrum, and it didn't work. We manufacture our own LEDs because we know that they work, we created a spectrum similar to HPS, and they're just vastly more efficient. It's a better use of resources, and we know that they work. We manufacture them
1: exactly I mean LED is by far the uh, the wave of the future you know I'll, I'll probably have to uh, you know have another conversation you, with you maybe off the the show about uh, LED I'm actually a, a manufacturer myself great and have I uh, you know, uh, what we've developed is a, is a uh, platform that actually can amend the, the spectrum uh, on a commercial level. You know, this would be a five-year warranty type material. Um, incredible outputs. It, it has, uh, I don't remember the exact metric off the top of my head, but I believe it's two something micromoles per joule. So an incredible output and some really great test beds. We're, we're not ready to go to market just yet, but it's about to be available in the next two months, I believe. So wow. definitely like to get something in your hands to, to maybe play with. Just in case, you you know, you find a place where you, you might need to have, you know, like I said, uh, you know, an am- a amendable spectrum, you know, so that way, you know, say you're flowering or you're cloning and then going into the early vegetative process, you know, you're, you're going to want more of a 450 nanometer range uh, to promote uh, propagation and uh, internodal stacking, you know, root Bruce? development. And then, as you progress into the later vegetation and flowering process, you want to really pick up your PAR and your more, you know, 660 nanometer range, more full spectrum, and you know, really drive the the photons home. And then you want to finish up, you know, with a you know, like a 450 for trichome development, things like that. So we've we've got some really great research that we've done thus far. So I'd like to make sure and get some of that in your hands, maybe uh, be able to benefit you somehow with that. But you yeah, know, we, it's, it's we would love to. Well I, I definitely make sure and get you some info on that and and again it's it's great that you guys are doing this because again when when I design a a space, you know so say I'm working in a school, say I'm working you know in in a gap or retail facility, I'm allotted one point five watts per square foot when i'm de- developing a retail space, and what right. happens when we're cultivating with cannabis and we're using high pressure sodiums metal halide, we can use anywhere from forty to fifty watts per square foot. And, you know, yep. when we're when we're doing the hoorah, you know, that we need to be efficient and we need to use cannabis because it can do everything, but yet we're just removing all of those same principles because we can get a higher yield potentially with HPS, which honestly now with LED, I'm seeing the metric shift. You know, I'm starting to see a very static 15 to 25% increase to yield, increase to bud sites, internodes, everything. So it's definitely coming to fruition, coming to maturity, so to speak. So it's a very, for myself anyways, you know, being in the industry 20 years, it's exciting to see that we're actually getting some really good headway and we're going to be able to be better stewards of our environment by incorporating and and, and using best practices finally. So that's kind of what I'm reading here about you guys is, is you know, you're, you're really trying to put together a best practice solution, not just a, a you know, an idiot-proof solution, but really a, a, a best practices so people can have a benchmark of how they should Be doing things
2: right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so refreshed that you mentioned everything with your work and LEDs, and also the the funny comment about what we usually hear when we tell people that we use LEDs to to long standing growers. But again, it's just it's the wave of the future. It's not a matter of if it's when. And I like to point out that we have a choice as to whether we're going to use HPS or LED, and the results. And the energy efficiency, this is a major decision. So we want to use LED because it's a more efficient use of energy, and it's better for the environment, and it works better, on it, especially when you look at cubic production. So when it comes to also the rest of our practices, we're probably spending twice as much on our buildings as anybody else. We're using gas-type buildings, which eliminate the use of pesticides through controlled atmosphere, oxygen deprivation, CO2 and nitrogen spikes, which were developed by a global uh, agricultural company that nobody's using in cannabis. So we really are looking at every little thing that we can do to improve the product's quality, improve our indoor efficiency, and really just kind of stand out as a product.
1: You know, I definitely want to dive back into the oxygen deprivation. That's something that I hadn't heard of before. Uh, we got to take a quick break. When we get back, Justin Beck with cultivation technologies. We'll be right back with you folks. Stay
0: tuned for more, state of cannabis only on cannabisradio.com when we
2: return. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived.
0: The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap channel. You know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient.
2: and welcome all you high-flying, die-trying, Philly blunt for your friend, Hempsters. every roach-smoking, bong-token, however you get your THC can enthusiasts, all you rebels, individualistic originals, and outside-the-box ganja warriors, you chunky monkey, cherry-garcia, munchy loving hamsters, all you captive earth-surfers, astral-travelers, and ganja-loving canosaurs, all you high-flying, wide-smiling, ganjarific cannabophiles, welcome to everyone except Donald Trump supporters because that's how I really feel.
1: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman,
2: only
0: on CannabisRadio.com Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com Once again, here's Dave Inman.
1: Welcome back to The State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Justin Beck with Cultivation Technologies. We've been talking about some uh, some buildings of the future. You know, uh, buildings not only that are going to house uh, our, our wonderful, wonderful cannabis plants, but also do it with a, an appropriate stewardship. So, Justin, we were talking about, just a minute ago, oxygen deprivation. Now, this is actually kind of a, an interesting thing for me specifically. I know we can impart uh, additional CO2 but really, what, what benefit do we see from the oxygen deprivation with the plants?
2: Sure. So what we found, and again, this, this technology was utilized in other agricultural applications. And our building manufacturer, GrowX, they actually adapted this technology for cannabis. So they have a proprietary, patent-pending air mixture, which not only kills pests without the use of pesticides via regularly scheduled treatments, but also augments the health of the plants. We're going to be doing uh, various testing over the next few months in two different environments in order to maximize our treatment plans. So we're, we're still trying to dial in what's the most effective schedule of treatment to eliminate pests and improve plant health. But it's all based upon our ability to control the atmosphere inside of our buildings at a molecular level. So whether it's humidity, temperature, oxygen, nitrogen, or CO2, we can control all those parameters within 0.2 decimals. And again, our building manufacturer created this technology as a means to kill pests without the use of pesticides. So it's an, almost an organic standard that I think will be disruptive.
1: And that is it's it's a wave of the future honestly again I, I've said it a couple of times already but you know I mean this is one of the biggest gripes that uh, that I see in the industry is is you know uh, people will try to roll out a large scale facility and they just simply can't manage it. I mean, you almost have to have additional rooms built. And just as like a, you know, if you ever like raised fish, you know, having like a a sick tank, you know, like a hospital tank, you almost have to be able to bifurcate certain areas. You know, if you get powdery mildews, if you get, uh, you know, any any kind of insects or pests. So now does the oxygen deprivation also help with mildew and, and things like that?
2: Yes, absolutely. The oxygen deprivation combined with the nitrogen and CO2 spikes we find is an efficient way of eliminating mildews, also, as I said, controlling tests. So it was a no-brainer for us. And then we also have at the entry to our production environments a product called VivaLock, which is from a company called Precision Growing Systems, and it incorporates germicidal lights and HEPA filtration upon entry. So people are effectively being sterilized prior to entering our gas-tight growing enclosures which utilize all the technology we just discussed.
1: Now, when you uh, go into these facilities, do you need like an oxygen mask, or is it only at certain (laughs) times when you you have the oxygen deprivation going on?
2: Yeah, the grow rooms are, as I said, gas-tight, and when there is a treatment schedule, then nobody will be in the room. Gotcha, gotcha. And
1: how big are your rooms typically, or is that always going to be of scale based on the client or the needs of the space?
2: No, in order to preserve our brand integrity, we made a decision that we would not waver from the way we build out our facilities from the onset, because in order to create a brand, we needed to have certain characteristics, such as grown in in an energy-efficient manner, grown without pesticides, all of these different things. So our buildings, all four cultivation centers are identical, except they mirror each other on different sides. And our grow rooms are 6,000 square feet each. So there's two within each cultivation center. There's a veg room, and then there's a clone room. Each of those are all gas-tight enclosures. And then also to align with the state system, the 22,000 square foot building footprint, which is the max indoor allowed in California, they also feature 22,000 square feet of actual tray space. So when we first planned this, we weren't sure if it was gonna be based on tray space or building size, so we, we met both but we actually have 22,000 square feet of tray within each one of those 22,000 square foot cultivation centers.
1: Wow. So uh, you you pretty much covered both ends on that one. (laughs) So how long has cultivation technology been around?
2: We started our company in March of last year, and literally our business model was we need to get local authority to make our business you know, take off in California. That was our initial model is that in order to do all the things that we need to do, we first need to go and align with a city in a way that makes sense and then have that city have an ordinance which actually meets the state's requirements. So the unique thing about the city of Coachella and the city leaders there have been very progressive is that their ordinance is the only one in California which allows for cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, transportation, and testing. And what makes that unique is all of those are future license types in the state system and the state authority. So all of our tenants will be positioned for the state licenses because they'll have local authority.
1: What do you think are the chances of uh,
2: this year? It's already polling above 60%. Uh, Last I checked, the opposition did not have very much fun. Uh, Proponents start to advertise yet, and I know that Mr. Parker has put a lot of his money behind it and there's certainly uh, a lot of support in California. I like to say that it's not perfect, but there will certainly be some legislative improvements after it passes. But I could almost assure the listeners that California's Prop 64 will indeed pass.
1: You know, we also have one in the, here in Arizona, Vegas, uh, well, Nevada has one as well. You know, we're, we're getting to a point of uh, getting a mandate. Um, I, I'm sure you also uh, hear a lot of the, the pushback. Uh, one of our show hosts, Russ Bell, toss this in as much as possible, but uh, we, we get a lot of pushback from the stoners against legalization. How, how's that looking uh, in, in California? You guys getting a lot of pushback from the northern Cali growers that uh, have been, uh, you know, fat on the hog, so to speak? Sure.
2: Well, you know, you can't have it both ways. And I do understand the position of the industry that has been, you know, kind of the gray market for a long time and their reticence to regulation is based on their either inability to or just not wanting to get a a state permit or a local license because some of them will not like to pay taxes they don't want the regulations to impact what they deem to be a perfect scenario it's certainly there but the needless to say it's it's happening and i think that it's for the better of the public and the industry
1: Definitely better for the public. You know, I mean, obviously, California has it a little bit easier than than other places, you know, with the decrim law that it's had. Here in Arizona, it's still a classics felony if you get caught with even a seed. Uh, Granted, you generally don't get stuck with a classics felony, but it's certainly a a possibility. but it's definitely better for society, and, and you know, freeing this plant up so people can uh, enjoy it or not, either way, has got to be paramount. I mean, you know, when we look at the social justice that will occur through uh, these, these uh, legalization and medical uh, regulation efforts, it's certainly for the betterment of everybody. I mean, we all know that prohibition doesn't work, and uh, so we need to prohibit prohibition. So, Absolutely. what are the uh, what are the plans for cultivation technologies? What do you have in the future? What what are the the plans? How many more of these uh, buildings do you guys foresee uh, uh, in the near future?
2: Well, we would ideally build up to ten of them throughout California by partnering with municipalities in a similar fashion as we did in Coachella. And then, as far as what else we're doing, we have recently retained a global plant genomics expert uh, with whom we are creating uh, isogenic parental lines through non-GMO molecular breeding practices, which we believe are gonna vastly benefit our tenants, but also create defined chemical profiles, consistent phenotypes across seed batches, things like that. So we're really excited about, again, the better efficient use of resources that you know maximizing our efforts can can accomplish. We're also collaborating with a company called Abbasid Pharma, which is led by FDA expert, Stephen Goldner. Stephen has been responsible for over 240 drugs and medical devices passing through FDA approval. And he's creating uh, three different products, two of which are geared for humans, one for pets, for FDA approval uh, involving cannabis compounds.
1: See, so this is this is the cutting edge stuff right here. We got to take another quick break. When we get back, we have with us the uh, wonderful, wonderful cultivation technologies. Justin Beck, State of Cannabis. We'll be right back with you, folks.
0: Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis only on CannabisRadio.com. When we return. with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com. It's time to Presents.
1: I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community.
0: Radio resident sapien Vivian McPeak.
1: I will be putting out a call to action on issues of the day and putting your interest under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular.
0: Marijuana! Presents only on Cannabis Radio.
2: Sweet sativa.
0: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the state of cannabis. Only on cannabisradio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman.
1: Welcome back to the state of cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Justin Beck with Cultivation Technologies. They're working on some cutting edge stuff, not just smart buildings, but it sounds like you guys are gonna be able to pretty much in the very near future tell people exactly what strain they have where it's not a guessing game half the
2: time. Very much so. Again, um, Eric Mather has a 35 year track record in biotech, and he is passionate about plants and the domestication of plants. The last two plants he worked with, one was Waiule, which was a rubber plant for uh, Patagonian wetsuits, and he multiplied the yield of that plant by 400% through non-GMO domestication and interbreeding. So again, it's going to be a more efficient use of resources, and then also actual data integrity on what plants are, what their chemical profile is, et cetera.
1: And will there be uh, land race information, what, type, uh, what part of the hemisphere they're, they're generally located, things like that as well? Absolutely. Excellent. You know, I, I know you guys have a fundraiser coming up, and I want to make sure we dive into that. So tell us a little bit about this fundraiser to benefit cannabinoid research. Tell us a little bit about that coming up.
2: Yeah, so we're fortunate that our office Happens to be about 10 miles away from the office and the laboratory for Dr. Daniela Piamelli, University of California, Irvine, and also his protege, Dr. Guillermo Moreno Sanz. The two of them are at the forefront of cannabinoid research. Uh, Dr. Daniela Piamelli happens to be the editor of Cannabis and Cannabinoid Research. It's the only peer reviewed publication, a science publication in the world dedicated to cannabis. Uh, Dr. Piamelli was requested by the U.S. Senate Committee on the Carers Act to provide expert testimony on the medical benefits of cannabis. And the thing I really appreciate about that is that he is completely objective. He is not, you know, much, much like I'm sure we are, uh, we're against prohibition and we're pro-cannabis in a lot of ways. But Dr. Piamelli lends a certain credibility because as a scientist, he objectively states that cannabis has myriad medical benefits. He testified in front of Congress. I'll send you his 20-page testimony, and it's really great to see. So what we're doing is we're bringing awareness to Dr. Piamelli's research, to Dr. Sands' research, into THCA, and we've created an event called The End of Opiates. It's at the Avenue of the Arts Hotel on August 26th at 7 p.m. So we're hoping for donations for his lab, We're also hoping for media to cover the event and just generally bring awareness to his research and to cannabis as an ultimate replacement for opiates and opioids, which are just plaguing our nation.
1: You know, definitely I'd like to, to get a link out. I'll share that up on Facebook as well so we can get as much awareness out as possible on that. So uh, when we're wrapped up, if we can uh, get a get a link to that so we can make that as public as possible because that's that's exactly the kind of things that we, we need. We need more legitimate research. We need, you know, objective research, you know, because we always like to look at everything as a, you know, as, as it's a cure-all for everything. Obviously, nothing is a panacea, but certainly there is wonderful benefits and knowing the absolute unequivocal truth, I think, is is it's time. I think it's really time.
2: It really is. And he's objective, and he and Dr. Sands, their research could really change the pharmaceutical industry. And the fact that Dr. Piamelli really interacts with all of academia across the world on cannabinoid research, it's just so exciting to see this and to be you know anywhere near these people and it's even more exciting to be hosting an event for them to bring awareness to it so we'd really appreciate any support of the station and the listeners to bring awareness to share the message and to possibly donate to this worthy cause
1: and how much capital are you guys needing to raise
2: well we're hoping to raise um 50 to 100,000 for his lab at that event however we're also going to be doing uh, I personally donated $2500 in addition to buying my tickets, even though we're considerable, we have considerable resources into it. So we're hoping to raise fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, and I would also expect our company to make recurring and larger donations as we progress through our business model. You
1: know, we're uh, we're about out of time. Let's let's get that address and the time again, just so we can we can get that in for our listeners.
2: Avenue of the Arts Hotel in Costa Mesa, California, on August twenty sixth at 7 p.m. Tickets can be acquired through Eventbrite by typing in the end of opiates. So you can find those tickets on there or to make any donations. And how do people get a hold of you? Yes, you can submit an inquiry at cultivationtech.com. Tech is T-E-C-H dot com. Or you can email me at justin at cultivationtech.com.
1: Justin at cultivationtech.com. Perfect. You know, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I really, really appreciate the uh, the efforts and and the model that you guys are bringing to cannabis. It's it's long overdue, and uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, we all need to be stewards of our environment, and you guys are are definitely on the right track to help us all be better. So I I thank you very much for for doing that, and uh, I thank all of you folks for joining us on this edition of The State of Cannabis. Uh, you can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman, and we'll talk with you next time.